I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, a baking hot Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our sweaty patrons, this is your extended sweat-free and ad-free version of this week's show. Uh, If you're not one of our patrons but would like to get our ad-free, sweat-free versions, our extended sweaty cuts, live streaming, and access to our 24-7 Discord members club, head to patreon.com forward slash UK sweat to find out how you can support us for zero commitment and instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended sweat. There's a chance I missed some proper wording. I think I meant patreon.com forward slash UK tech. UK tech, not UK sweat. Um, it's almost like you've got sweat on the brain or something. Um, we have no new patrons to announce this week, sadly. Hopefully some of you will maybe join us for, for next week. There is no commitment as always. But thank you to everybody supporting us every week so far. You know who you are. Let's get on with the news. Facebook wants your naked photos, in to stop revenge porn. I promise you it doesn't. (laughs) It singled you out. Uh, No, Facebook is asking British users to send naked photos of themselves to the social network to try stopping revenge porn, the BBC wrote this week. Now, I should clarify, it's not specifically asking for Ian Morris's naked photos to stop all revenge porn. It's not a ransom on Ian's body. It is simply in order to create a digital fingerprint of an image that a user may be afraid of would be posted to the network without their permission and by submitting it they can have a hash created and if anyone does try and submit that photo it will be identified before being shown to anyone and deleted. Similar technology has technology has been used to try and stop the spread of child abuse images. Uh, it's also been used to stop terrorist related content appearing on the network and on other social platforms as well. Uh, and Facebook's been testing this system in Australia and is so is extending this trial to Britain rather than just starting trying it here first. But it hasn't actually revealed how well it went in Australia. But we're assuming at least It didn't go badly enough to not try it in other countries. Um, Facebook's global head of safety told the BBC that photos will only be seen by, quote, a very small group of about five specially trained reviewers. And this is where we get to the, the key point. Why does this need to be human? I get why this exists. I don't think it's a terrible idea if you are somebody who think someone might try and um, submit naked photos of you online Um, but why does it need to be a human that reviews this if it's just creating an automated hash i don't understand although i do have one theory why this can't just be automated and secondly and an even bigger question facebook says it's not going to store these photos but uh, do we trust facebook to not store these photos i get that's the claim but We've seen time and time again where stuff we thought was deleted hasn't been deleted. uh, And I'm just not sure that this is the right time and the right approach. But Ian, your thoughts? Well, I mean, exactly uh, similar to you. I don't understand why Facebook couldn't create a tool that people download and into which they put their photo and um, 
then uh, then they're able to upload the hash rather than any of the actual information. Um, because that Facebook could t- build a proprietary app, I'm sure, that would enable them to get the information it needs uh, and, and, then, and then prevent people from sharing photos. But I have a feeling that the problem here is um, that really people are not going to... They're not going to have taken their photos themselves in a lot of cases, presumably. They're going to be... Uh, ex-partners or things like that who have taken the photo and have kept the photo. So they may not have the original, if that makes sense. Does that does that not cause problems, do you think? It may do. I mean, this is where machine learning should really come in. And you could, if, if you're able to submit a photograph that is similar to one you're wanting to be blocked, then it could be possible for an AI to be trained. But you need more than one photo to do that. Well, and then they would have to store the photos, presumably, yeah. at least for a yeah. period of time. They'd have to store a hash, yeah. I mean, Richard points out in the chat room that um, that they can't not store them. If you post them, they can't just hold them in RAM the whole time. I mean, I wonder whether they... Well, they could for a bit, but, you know, yes, I take the point. I mean, they've got to, they've got to traverse networks, haven't they? And during that time, they're going to be stored. Now, the, the, there's a couple of other questions to address here. One of them, Dawson uh, in the chat room has asked, how does the hash work if the photo is manipulated? Well, often it doesn't. Yes. You know, depending on the severity of the modification. And we've seen this as a way of criminals getting around anti-terrorism and anti-child abuse um, filters by manipulating pictures. And also, um, you know, we just have to remember YouTube videos, uh, many of which are, you know, copyrighted material that have been uploaded. And people use all sorts of tricks to make that possible, like they flip it over. Um, you know, or they change a few pixels or they um, crop it or, you know, anything like that. There are lots of things you can do that would change the hash. Now, a lot of them are detectable these days, but even so, it's a it's a very flawed idea. I, I can't see people being prepared to upload their own nude photos. It's just weird. There are a couple of other things here in that, to answer the question about the humans. Now, my first thought was the reason why it needs to have a human to to, to, to to detect this is because there's a possibility of a different type of abuse which is if you're trying to prevent the publication of any sort of photo or advert you could upload something to a a, a machine and say this is a picture that i do not want to appear online and perhaps without a human present to determine whether it's a sexual image or not it may inadvertently uh, apply a false positive to an otherwise innocuous image, yes. and, there, and and thereby be you know allow the site to be complicit in in some kind of censorship. Yeah, I mean, but I think you could probably work around that. Yes, because the Facebook already has systems to detect naked bodies. You know, it, it has that to prevent pictures, whether it's sexual or not, appearing on the website. Facebook can detect the image of of breasts and 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 other sexual uh, areas. Uh, and 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 it can do that already. So it feels to me like th- there would at least be a, a possibility for it to be uploaded to a machine mm. and then run through a nudity filter, if you like. And then as long as it matches, you know, as long as it, the the system says that there is nudity in the content, then then maybe that could be used. I mean, I, I again, I say you could you could develop an app 
um, and you would be a smartphone app or a desktop app, um, and then that would also have the, the you know the, the detection for a nakedness. So I see. So what I would suggest was be that you, it would all be done locally. Nothing would be uploaded apart from the hash at the end. Uh, but the but local checking, which they could update constantly, um, like of antivirus definition, um, you know, and then you just do it on whatever thing, and and then nothing leaves your computer. You'd have to still trust that they wouldn't upload anything. But that that's an easier ask, I think, than asking people to just trust that someone at Facebook won't whack one out over your naked pictures. And I think that this is something that would make me less uncomfortable if it wasn't Facebook doing it. You yeah. Know, if it was a third party system, you know, you look at the Internet uh, Watch Foundation that, that does a lot of policing for child abuse imagery. You could essentially outsource the same hashing procedure to a company not directly affiliated with Facebook, thereby also allowing those same pictures not to appear on pornography websites yeah. or non-Facebook properties. And you I think you could that do that- a whole database, couldn't you? Of like, yeah, like you say, it would be like that child um, sex abuse images thing, where you, you know, it's possible for everyone to sort of cooperate and make it so that you know you can't share those images. And it could also that way allow for auditing on security procedure and things like that, which is, is harder to do for, for a company as large and, and weirdly antisocial as Facebook in terms yeah. of your ability to well, speak to a human being. And also, I wonder why it is exactly that there isn't already... I mean, you're not allowed to post nudity on Facebook anyway, are you? No. So but that's what, not the same because this is... It, it only takes images to be online for a few minutes, potentially, for sure. it to... To leak yes, out. but if they if they get better at doing that, I mean, I've yeah, I've seen it happen. I've watched, I've watched. Um, I can't remember what, what what the reason for it was, but some someone posted a bunch of photos automatically to Facebook, and a bunch of them were like nude sex shots. It wasn't someone I know. It was just, uh, and then that went leaked virally. Um, and you have to kind of feel sorry for them, but at the same time, you have to kind of think, well, be careful for the love of God. What are you doing? Ian, we predicted something a few weeks ago. Yes. And that was that buskers in London, musicians in the street, were starting to use contactless payments for donations. Now, I raised this at one point. Uh, I think we may have mentioned it on the show. I certainly wrote a column about it on, uh, on Patreon. When I saw somebody in Tottenham Court Road's tube station using a card reader to accept money for his busking. And then I saw this week that the mayor of London's office and Izettle have partnered on a first ever initiative that lets buskers accept tapped to pay contributions, according to Engadget. I do also slightly wonder about the wording of um, let's buskers, because there's nothing really stopping them doing that in the first place, as far as I'm aware. Um, but in this example, participants plugged their little card readers into their smartphones and set a fixed donation amount. After that, you just wave your card or your NFC-compatible device uh, to ensure that performer gets paid, Engadget says. Um, Now, the service has been in trials for a while. Now, that may have been the gentleman that I saw busking. It's quite possible. Uh, But it should roll out to all buskers in London's 32 boroughs over the coming months, according to Engadget. But from early tests, apparently they have had a meaningful impact. One busker touted a, quote, significant improvement in her income during the test run now this comes as absolutely no surprise to me even though i you know despite the fact that i saw this in the street it seems like a no-brainer right in yeah it does of course it does i mean increasingly people are looking to not spend you know to use 
contactless payments. And some people are very like, why can't we get rid of cash? And I'm like, well, you don't want to get rid of cash. Don't let them get rid of cash. Because as soon as you get rid of cash, obviously, they, you, you can't do anything without your bank knowing about it. But that's an aside. Um, but yeah, this is great. Um, you know, that lots of people um, trust contactless uh, you know, and and are happy to part with money that way, uh, and with increasingly things like uh, devices, you you might even get people who really don't use cash anymore, like who literally do not have cash, um, and just use either a bank card or their phone. So it makes sense. I mean, I'm using my Apple Watch to pay for uh, travel on the tube. So I don't necessarily want to get a card out or anything, but I can use my Apple Watch for paying buskers, except I never would because I find the whole thing ridiculous. I do, I do that as well. I, what, I, I find use, the whole thing ridiculous? Or? No, I don't find the whole thing ridiculous. I think it's brilliant. What, I think it's busking? absolutely fantastic. I think busking is brilliant. I think mm. allowing people to pay busker is in yeah, whatever think, form they want is yes, great. I think that's great. I just don't, don't understand why I have to be busked at. You are such a killjoy, aren't you? I want to just divert into something that we um, that we that I covered in my Patreon column because when I was writing this column, it was prompted by seeing a busker on the uh, on the tube using contactless, and it reminded me of a couple of things. The first thing it reminded me of was the there was a, a woman I used to know who did a lot of digital design work, and she was talking to somebody who worked for the magazine The Big Issue, which for those of you who don't know is the a magazine created to uh, for street vendors, homeless street vendors, to sell uh, to make some money, and she told me that they were working on a digital version, an iPad initiative, essentially. And I thought, well, that's incredibly awful. Like, surely that's going to take money away from from the homeless. You know, why why on earth would you want to launch something that directly competes with the very people you're trying to help? Um, it turned out that what they were actually doing is allowing the um, the buskers. Sorry, not the buskers, the, the the homeless vendors to sell a digital code for that particular issue that you could then redeem on your iPad. So the actual transaction was still the same. Um, but I don't know, maybe they should be accepting contactless. Maybe that would be something that could help. Um, but then on the other side of the argument, and again, this was in the Patreon column. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, I was... I was uh, on South Bank just ahead of Christmas and uh, South Bank's part of London has lots of um, nice craft shops and stalls and food markets and things uh, a lot of the times of the year, but certainly just ahead of Christmas. And I was looking to buy, I wanted to buy this item. It was like a hand-painted candle thing for my mum and I didn't have enough cash with me. So um, I asked him, the, the, the seller, do you take, will you take a card? Um, and he said, what, a credit card? And I said, yeah. And he says, no, I don't take, credit cards it's a market i was like well yeah it is but it's also 2016 um there's loads of people using these down here and he got really you know really funny with me he says that's cash only it's a market store mate it's a market store and it really wound me up yeah because he didn't want to pay any tax did he well probably not but 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 to (laughs) me that that, part of the problem is the defense that it's a market therefore it's only cash well no that's not true in tall at all is it it's a market in 2016 Therefore, maybe be flexible with the people that don't carry a lot of cash with them. Or if they've run out of cash, may want to pay with something else. Well, these people will get left behind. I mean, that is inevitable. If if you're offering normal services, then you should take cards. Where I'm very, very keen for us not to go down the route of is getting rid of cash entirely because it's a a terrible idea. Any thoughts you have on this, do let us know. 
hello at techpodcast.uk. Have you spotted a busker? Maybe you'd like to go and ask them how much money they make from it compared to cash only and let us know. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Slight change in audio quality now because I am joining CNET's Andy Hoyle actually in his house because I wanted to talk to him a little bit about something that came out of Engadget this week, uh, which is that Amazon Prime members in the UK are now able to order a test drive of Volvo's V40. That's a car, for those of you unfamiliar with cars. Um, if you live in London, Birmingham, Manchester and Edinburgh in uh, in certain weekends in June and July. There's two sides to this story. The first is Amazon getting into the essentially the sale of, of motor cars. Andy, what's your initial view on this? Is this the right sort of market for Amazon to even be in at all? Uh, my initial view was one of confusion, um, to be honest, because I, from the, the, the information that I had, I wasn't too sure whether this related to new car sales, which seems um, to me an unlikely thing for Amazon um, to do. Um, but then I'm, I'm not totally familiar with people buying cars online generally anyway in the uk it's it's all about the auto trader yeah as a thing it's all about it's all about second hands I, I i see the second hand car market being huge online that's where i've always looked for cars um but but buying a new car it's always been you go to the dealership you look for the car you spec it up yourself so the second hand car market absolutely seems like something that amazon could do very well it is dominated by by, by people like um auto trader and various other ones which i can't even uh, carbuyer.co.uk I think is another one um, so it seems it seems unsurprising that Amazon would want to take a slice of that pie um, wh- and I think this is something that I believe it's trialed already somewhere else is that right? Yeah that's why that's this is the part of it that I find most interesting because about a year ago there was a story that I believe we may have actually talked about on the podcast um, at the time which uh, was reported that Amazon was planning a move to sell cars in the UK following a trial in Italy. Now, this was according to autoexpress.co.uk in June of last year. And it said that the internet giant is said to be spending huge sums of money building a new online arm for selling cars. According to reports in German media, the new online unit will be based in Luxembourg, but will start its operation in the UK first. And the company, this is still according to this website, already trialed a similar scheme in Italy where it partnered with Fiat Chrysler to sell the Fiat 500 and the Panda on its Italian website. Customers could spec and order their car via Amazon and the car would then be delivered to a nearby dealer. So were they buying new cars in that one? Because when you spec a car, you, that isn't what happens when you buy a second-hand car. You spec a new car. Precisely. They were specking a new car in Italy and now they are specking essentially new Volvos here in the UK on certain weekends for a couple of months. And then you test drive that car. And then you test drive that car and then you're able to buy it if you want. But and the belief is that they're going to do second-hand sales, which would make more sense. It would make a lot more sense because the margins would be far better for, for Amazon. But in that sense, they then Amazon wouldn't be selling cars. Amazon would, as it already does with Marketplace, essentially just be the go-between between seller and buyer. And it would just offer the platform for people to live their cars it would but people could theoretically although it doesn't allow car sales i believe that could already be what it could do it would literally just allow 
for you to put a car on there. In the I, same way as like eBay, as you've always been able to buy and sell cars on eBay. I think part of the issue is that doing it on Amazon, everything has a listing page. So for example, there are certain types of products that a manufacturer actually prohibits people from reselling. Some of them from Microsoft. If you try and list certain Microsoft products on Amazon pre-owned, unless you've got some sort Software, of- Software, I would presume. No, hardware as well. You can, for, for, in certain some circumstances, you can actually be stopped from doing that. Amazon needs to be able to verify, I think, it needs to be able to offer like trust. So it needs to have some kind of partnership probably with manufacturers or dealerships or, or insurers perhaps in some form in order to provide the kind of customer first approach that it generally tries to provide across its marketplace. If you've ever sold anything on Amazon Marketplace, if if you think that you've been missold something or you want to send something back, it's very much the buyer who is given the benefit of the doubt, not the seller. And that's not the same on eBay. And I think for Amazon to do it with used cars, because you're talking about such high amounts of money potentially, then they need to be probably incredibly confident that they can offer this sort of experience that is similar to their other retail outlets and, and maybe starting by doing new cars, test drives, things like that, they can at least start to figure out maybe some pain points or pressure points. Sure. I mean, I, I struggle because I don't know enough about the um, the actual car buying industry to to properly understand this because to me, Sure, buying a used car online makes sense, but buying a new car is something that you would want to go to a showroom to do. But maybe that isn't necessarily the case. I'm sure there are figures that would argue against that. But I wonder if maybe if they did sort of develop this this catalogue and this ability, this um, infrastructure to support these sales, whether there is a way for dealerships, more more private dealerships, places like HR Owen, for example, who could who could still have their cars listed for sale on their own website, but still using Amazon's infrastructure and therefore Amazon takes a cut of those sales, even though it's it's going through HR Owen's own website. It could allow for smaller dealerships who don't have the funds to set up a whole online purchasing site to use Amazon's um uh, architecture to to do that. I think there's another argument to be made as well that Amazon is in a I would say a unique position if it did get into this market to offer financing because cars are very expensive. Amazon has a lot of money. It already offers Amazon branded credit cards, which are underwritten, underwritten by third party credit agencies. It stands to reason that Amazon could probably do quite well by saying you can list your car in here. We'll offer buyers um, credit, essentially interest, interest uh, included credit, and it will give you both a more trustable platform perhaps but also one that you can fold into more conventional online shopping outlets which offers financing as part of that deal but all the while for a third for, for um, a reseller a secondhand private seller they're going to need much bigger amazon storage lockers aren't they they are yeah i mean the, the one benefit is that amazon prime you know everything comes in a van or a car at least doing this you're just delivering it i just it just makes me wonder what happens to the person who drops it off do they have to go and get the <laughs> bus go, yeah go and get the train home um before we recorded we were we were chatting about other things this could mean and one of the things you mentioned was like the rental car rental market um because i've used various services everything from you know companies like enterprise sixth and um avis and, and all those through to the more social sharing car clubs like um uh, easy car club i think it's called which is a subsidiary of easyjet zip car one um zip car is similar zip car i think owns their own own owns their own fleet and you just sort of find a car on the street somewhere whereas easy car club and there are other ones um is where 
people list their own vehicles. So when I go on now and I search for a car and I put in the dates where I need to rent a car, um, I just look through people's cars. Yeah, and you know it says who they are, and when I click to rent this car, um, I just literally go around to their house and pick it up. And either they meet me with the keys, or they have um, some of them have like a little box on the outside of their house with a pin code that you put in uh, and get the key um, from that. It's actually very much like Airbnb in that case. It's, it's exactly Airbnb, but for cars. Yeah, if people have a car and they don't use it that often, they can list it on there and they can use it. I mean, they all tend to be the cars do tend to be of a type um I, I rented a knackered old 206 that turned out the headlights barely worked so when i was driving back from a wedding at two in the morning i could barely see a thing on the road um but i mean it always depends on money that cost me 30 quid for a weekend as opposed to 150 if i'd have gone with enterprise um what was my point oh yeah like is this something that you think amazon would be interested because i also thought that taxi services it could it could be trying to basically muscle in on uber a little bit i don't think it would do that because I, the reason the amazon marketplace system works so well for amazon is because the margins are so good because they're not having to keep stock they're not having to pay anything really to list these products they're they're just they're a facilitator and they provide customer service they provide listings and yeah on some products they may not sell a product directly because somebody chooses to buy it from a third party. But the margins are far better on that. They make mm. more money doing nothing than making some money physically stocking and selling the product. So that's one thing. To do it as a taxi, you would have to have you know your own, you would have to have licensed drivers you would probably have to at least lease those cars out to drivers who pay them off or rent them from you and i think the margins would be smaller and the competition is already pretty intense whereas in the used car market it's there's still an element i think of you know are you getting a dodgy deal on, yeah. on cars if i was buying if i was buying a new car and we we bought one um a few months ago we, you know we didn't know really the person we that we bought it off it was a very it was a local dealer and it was great and the car's been fantastic there are services that you can use now to to look at the registration plate and you can see its full history if it's been involved in accidents and i think it was a small charge but if you're spending a few grand on a car it's worth paying that amount because remember our mum she bought a a car yeah this was 20 years ago now i think um that she you know had all kinds of problems and it then it turned out that it had been uh, it had been written off before and it had, and it was basically a complete wreck and they'd sort of tried to rebuild it on the cheap and then flog it um and she got stung for that because you know it was pre-internet and there was no service to be able to check that but that's why amazon could do this so well because they could bake that into this sort of system and 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 provide you on screen all of this information that you want about the car about the owners it allows you to build up a seller profile as well if you've got if you've been selling an amazon marketplace for eight years you know maybe you sell one thing every three months but you've got a decent customer rating and then you put a car on there i mean that's instantly that sort of reputation capital will help make a sale in that may be more difficult to do on another service that only sells cars where you have to go on as a complete stranger with a brand new profile yeah. hoping that someone's going to give you a thousand pounds for your you know beaten up 206 or something but you keep talking about the margins and like where is that is that necessarily huge margins for these things yes. because because when you're talking about secondhand cars particularly on the on the cheaper end of the scale and someone wants say a thousand pounds for their their old ford focus and that is that you know that's the minimum they want to take and so they won't budge on the price and then similarly that is what the car is worth that's why they will only take that amount so the buyer will only want to pay that thousand pounds so there doesn't seem a lot of wiggle room for the third party company to be making their 
um, to be taking their cut without it making that car too expensive for the person to want to buy or making it too cheap for the first person to want to sell, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Amazon takes a, a percentage cut of, uh, of the total price of a, of a product sold up to a certain limit, I think. So it stands to reason that Amazon could take the same percentage on the sale of a car up to a certain maximum. But you're talking about money that essentially is just free money for Amazon because all it's doing is providing the the go-between between a buyer and a seller. Mm. And so if you're talking, even if it was, let's just say it's 4%, right? Let's just say it's 4%, which I think would be on the low end mm. of something like this. And you sell a car for a thousand pounds. Yeah, That's a decent amount of money to make. How much is it? 40 pounds. There you go. And for nothing. And that's and that's if it's only 4% and that's if it's on a 1000 pound car. There will be cars, there'll be people selling cars on there that are, you know, 5, 6, 7, 8000 pounds. The the margins are good enough on Amazon just selling secondhand books and CDs and garden equipment and stuff for it to be a viable business that that makes the company a lot of money, mm. and it doesn't sell cars, so it's also not competing with itself, which it does when it comes to a lot of the stuff they sell. You can buy one from a, a third person, a third party, rather than Amazon directly, and that's directly taking away from a sale direct from Amazon itself. So, like a well laid out book, it's all about the margins. Oh my god. That That's, was you. That was very you, wasn't it? Yeah. And because we sound similar, people will probably just assume that that was you. Um but my the only other thing I, I, I wonder with this is that the secondhand car market is inherently risky because there are so many variables of what makes that car reliable and whether it's had um aftermarket modifications. Like it's such a difficult um business to be in because I you there's no returns policy that can really be put into place and there's no like well what if they didn't drive it there's no one way to to drive a car there's no one way to do something with a car and and a ford you know one ford focus from 2008 is not the same as another ford focus from 2008 there are so many different things in play the past the past history and those things are never always cut and dry because every car is being driven by a little old lady to and from the shop so that has already been something that's a problem for so many websites and i wonder how Amazon would tackle something like that because well, with, you said yourself it's got great service with money right with 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 a huge huge amounts of money is, is how they can do that but Be then it cuts that cuts those margins back like it surely wouldn't isn't wanting to put all that money into this Amazon, Amazon hadn't made a profit for years and years and years. It lost lots and lots and lots of money, all in the favor of basically owning the giant market. Now it does it, it does make money, and it, it's moved into so many other services that generate lots of money. You know, Amazon Prime being one. I mean, for a while, Amazon Prime, there was some arrangement in France where Amazon Prime was technically illegal, but it was cheaper for Amazon to just keep paying fines than to not offer the service. Right. So there's a there's a lot of precedent for some of these loss leader sort of models ultimately turning out to be a very shrewd business move and i think that the model would be very similar for cars well if you have an opinion on anything we have just talked about then do let us know hello at techpodcast.uk but here's the thing that would be really amazing is this amazon trial is going to be in those four cities we mentioned earlier london birmingham manchester i think i said and i'm uh, going to try it 
and the other well yeah if okay well this this is a moot point if you try because you can come on the show and tell us what it was like <laughs> but what i'm going for is if somebody in those cities in june and july on the weekends that this is in operation fancies going and doing a test drive and reporting back on the experience um we'd love to get you on the show and and maybe talk about that Actually, yeah maybe someone who isn't a technology journalist yeah maybe someone who isn't a technology journalist would be quite nice uh, or maybe someone i'm not related to or used to live with you know such as andy and such Ian, as me, Ian. Um, so uh, let us uh, let us know if you'd be up for doing that. If you plan on doing that, hello at techpodcast.uk. And thank you, of course, to uh, CNET's Andy Hoyle, who um, I'd give him the chance to promote something he's done, but follow him on Battery HQ on Twitter and go and look at his lightning in London photo recently. Which, oh, you can see that. Yeah, that's gonna. I think everyone's seen it already by now. It's, but, um, it's gone viral. Yeah, it has. It's fine. Ian, uh, this week The Telegraph wrote that the world's most popular pornography site, Pornhub, has launched an app that could allow children to watch adult content on their smartphones and bypass new UK digital safety laws. I immediately took issue with both the story and the headline. In fact, the headline was worse than the lead. The headline was Pornhub will allow children to watch porn on their smartphones and bypass pass uk laws um two problems with that number one horrible word echo on the word porn uh, and secondly it's a bit disingenuous and here's why the app lets users connect to a private network on the company's servers this is still according to the telegraph's write-up which changes their online location so they will not need to sign up for age ver- verification to prove they're over 18 years old to comply with the new digital economy bill uh, brought into legislation last year now this is all entirely true, but it's also no different from any other VPN app that lets you mask your physical location to circumvent censorship or internet geoblocks. I've used, and, and for the record also pay for, AirVPN for many years uh, for a range of reasons, such as to protect my connection when I'm using public Wi-Fi or to appear at home here in the UK when I'm traveling for work, which I was doing last week in Paris, uh, to prevent a network from throttling my connection even if it thinks I'm using a streaming video service, uh, which happens sometimes on on trains um or to let me use multiplayer games over networks that block necessary connection ports that that was uh, why i initially started using this one back when i was at, at wired um, but separately the verge also reported that pornhub's vpn service is going to be available across platforms uh, on mac windows android and ios but also has a premium option uh, which removes ads and it offers supposedly faster connections so on the bottom line um this is just another VPN app. It's it's not an attempt to let children bypass laws in order to watch porn. Um, so I, I I'm you know I like the Telegraph a lot, and I and we use you know we discuss a lot of their stories, but I think this headline was a little bit unfair. Aren't Pornhub supposed to be uh, the people spearheading this age verification thing anyway? Yeah, I mean they were. It was it was proposed. I think that, that they could be something of a, a arbiter. It's been delayed anyway, hasn't it? Because of course it has. Because it's such a stupid idea in the first place. It's going to come into power by December, I believe. Is it though? Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Moon, right now. Well, I don't like the way this story was written by the Telegraph. I I do see the reason. Maybe it, it shows that. Uh, but but the bigger picture here really is that it's another company getting into into VPNs 
And I just don't want people thinking that VPNs exist to allow children to watch porn. Because like so many, so many things, it's a tool, isn't it? It's and you can use it, however, you know, with a with a lot of different intentions. Like you can use a VPN to bypass regional locks, so you can watch iPlayer when you're not allowed to. And you know, you can use it to, um, you know, disguise your location so you could be a terrorist or whatever. Um, but you do not necessarily. They they're not inherently for that and so you know people again have to be allowed to do things it's ridiculous otherwise what, what we're just not we might as well just shut the whole internet any thoughts you have on this story let us know hello at techpodcast.uk or why not tweeters why not tweet us different intonation there but the the same open-ended question uh, you can do it at at text message pod well, that's going to do it for our news and stories this week. We did have a fantastic email from uh, Luke, one of our ambassadors, but we are running so long uh, and we had a great lengthy bit of insight from uh, from Luke that we're going to move that to next week and uh, just quickly transition into hearing from Sarah Lane over at DTNS about what's been going on in the wider world of tech while I've been exhausted dealing with GDPR. Thanks, Nate. Sarah Lane here from Daily Tech News Show. Busy week on DTNS. Had a special all-Australia roundtable recorded on location. Discussed the future of PlayStation 4 after Sony said the console was entering the final phase of its life cycle. Implications of Comcast outbidding Disney for 21st Century Fox. And what Elon Musk really wants from news. All that and more on DTNS Live every Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you to our patrons supporting us every week. If you're not a patron, but would like to get our ad-free versions, our extended cuts, live streaming, access to our Discord club, as well as our special weekly features and outtakes, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech and find out how you can support us with zero commitment and instant access to our back catalogue of extended shows, which this week included a pretty lengthy behind the scenes segment about GDPR, but stuff that apparently not everybody knows at least according to at least one person in our chat room this week. We've covered uncovered some new information. Uh, I also talked about some of the other stuff I learned from Christopher Wiley when I met him this week um, to talk about privacy and regulation. He was the Cambridge Analytical whistleblower, for those of you who have forgotten the name. Of course, we'd like to hear from you. Send any comments to hello at techpodcast.uk. Follow us on Twitter at textmessagepod and please leave a review on iTunes. This is the best way of supporting us for free and it helps us just as much. It does indeed. So from me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. We'll see you in a week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.